Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities, and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for April 19th, 2020. Koyo Kobose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, <laughs> this time of year, uh, spring is here and I'm gardening. I know that the uh, gardening schedule depends upon uh, what part of the country you live in. And I remember when we used to live in the Midwest, I wouldn't start going, doing things in earnest until till the month of May, you know. But here in California, uh, the last frost date is in mid-March. And um, so I've been at it for a while now. And uh, if, if it wasn't for gardening, I would hardly get any exercise, you know. When, you were, when I was younger, I used to go jogging and, of course, uh, a lot of uh, uh, sports. I was uh, played a lot of sports, and but uh, gardening is good exercise, and it's tremendous to be outside, the sky and the sun. Um, uh, now, I'm a city boy. <laughs> uh, Raised in Chicago, and uh, so I didn't. But my father, he was a professional. He, he, he before becoming a minister, he was a professional landscape gardener, and so I don't know. Maybe some of that rubbed off, but uh, I don't feel I uh, had much knowledge about gardening at all. But over the years, this and that, and uh, more in earnest since we came out here to California about twelve years ago, and. Um, I, I talk to local people, family and friends, and get tips on what to do. 
and as some of you may know, uh, uh, somebody had mentioned raised beds, and so I, I said, okay, yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So that's the first thing I, I did. Uh, the, our previous owners had two horses that they kept in uh, a corral, fenced corral that they had built. And, you know, people around here in uh, Central Valley, um, we're about a, a half an hour north of Fresno, and maybe an hour north of us is the southern gate entrance to Yosemite National Park. And uh, this area, uh, people have horses, and so it's not uncommon. And uh, so they had a large corral, and uh, I built some uh, raised beds. I got uh, redwood planks, uh, four feet by 20 feet. And uh, and I built uh, these beds that uh, you could put compost and and uh, dirt soil in there, and then uh, uh, I plant. I've been planting all kinds of things over the past twelve years, um, A to Z. This year I have uh, garlic. You know, garlic grows good around here. I don't know if you know, but couple hours north of us in uh, Gilroy, they call themselves the garden capital of the world. And uh, so garlic grows good. I grow uh, uh, onions and um, uh, I grow melons, you know, uh, I grow peas, okay. I grow broccoli. This year, I got a bed of broccoli, and um, I'm going to grow some eggplant, cucumbers, um, and some peppers. Some of them I, that uh, I start indoors, I have a special uh, uh, a light uh, arrangement and um, uh, in my library, I had these... Uh, trays that have like uh, I think 72 little compartments you know and you fill them with uh, your dirt and you can plant seeds in them and then and of course you water and you see what germinates and I keep it under the under the plant lights and I have uh, this year I had I think about four trays like that and then when they get big enough uh, I transplant them into the garden. Some things I, I plant from seed right into the garden um, and so forth. One thing that I, I wanted to share is that um, uh, <clears throat> seed germination, uh, you know, nature is such that uh, for one thing, you don't know what seeds, not all seeds will germinate. And even though you have nice dirt and you you water you water the uh, seeds and everything, not all the seeds are going to sp uh, sprout or germinate. Um, this is why nature provides. You know, a plant has a lot of seeds, okay, that scatter from the wind and so forth. Okay? Um, this is not a perfect 
world or perfect uh, process, okay? And you don't know which ones will germinate. Pretty hard to tell, okay? And of course, it's a miracle that packed into that little tiny seed is, you know, will end up as all these tremendous tasty vegetables, okay? Adrian is uh, takes care of the flower gardens around our house, but I'm sort of greedy, I guess, or, or maybe call it just pragmatic and practical, but I like to grow vegetables, something that, you know, we could harvest and eat. And, uh, and in each seed is packed, you know, so the, the blueprint, uh, that it's, it's really a miracle, you know. But the fact that you don't know what seeds will germinate. And so, and I thought, this is a nice teaching because uh, we talk about Dharma seeds that get planted or fall into the fertile soil of one's own mind. You know, uh, you have to cultivate, dig up your soil, loosen it up, okay, and so forth. I said, you know, nature puts nutrients in there, compost. Uh, decaying leaves and so forth and all the mi- microbes and and the insects and everything that that contribute to this whole process of making fertile soil and uh, all kind of seeds can be scattered into this field okay and it could be dharma seeds into the mind the field of one's own mind Okay, that's been cultivated. And uh, you don't know which ones are going to blossom, germinate and blossom into a beautiful teaching of, of some kind of a beautiful flower or plant. You just have to water and wait. Uh, nature is such a powerful teacher. Okay? Uh, teach your patience. Okay? and cause and effect, okay? Natural laws of nature. Uh, talk about waiting, patience. Uh, you cannot, uh, you know, hurry na- uh, nature's process. The seeds are planted and you gotta wait. And I'm always reminded of this story in the children's book uh, about frog and toad. Uh, they had a series of books. These two friends have a lot of adventures. And one story was about Frog came over to Toad's house and saw all these beautiful flowers in his front yard. And he said, hey, hey, Toad, uh, uh, these flowers are beautiful. I want some. You know, what, what do you got to do to get flowers like this? And Toad says, well, you you get this, you know, buy the flower seeds and you, you know, cultivate the ground and you, Plant them in there and you water them, you know. Frog says, whoa, I didn't know. So that's what he did. He went home and, you know, and a couple of days later, he came over to visit Toad again. And he says, hey, Toad, I did what you said and nothing happened. You know, he says, well, what did you do? And so Frog told him, you know, that cultivated the ground, planted the seeds, water and everything, but nothing happened. And Toad said, 
Frog, it's only been a few days. You've got to wait. Frog says, oh, gee, I didn't know. I thought, you know, I, I did everything, and I thought there was going to be flowers right away. Says, no, no, no. Toad says, you, you got to wait. Okay. So it's, a lot of times I think about this when you think about the scheduling or the, the rate at which things happen in the natural process. And uh, it teaches us how to work with nature. Huh? Understand, try to understand nature. So, uh, uh, as I said, there are a lot, a lot of teachings, okay, uh, and, and they all end up with teaching uh, humility, <laughs> teaching us about constant change, teaching us about interdependency, teaching us about gratitude, teaching us about wonder and the awe of the miracle of growth. When you plant something <laughs> and you water and you wait, and then you see these little shoots coming up from the ground. That moment, that beginning, okay, you see the little green shoots come up. There's no feeling like that in the world. Wow. You know? And then I remember uh, daily Zen calendar sayings. One entry was uh, the beginning. The only true joy in life is to begin. <laughs> and, you know, well. That has a lot of truth in it, you know. When when you begin something, oh, that, that's a lot of excitement there, okay. And, of course, there's all the teachings of sticking to it, perseverance, and all that other stuff and everything. Uh, indeed, to see that that beginning, to see that those little green shoots come poking out of the earth there, there's nothing like that. Okay, I want to introduce today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Elena. When we've been, if they don't have a Dharma name yet, she's you know part of our LM, current LM12 group that'll be um, uh, receiving a lay minister induction uh, this year. Usually we did it, we do it in the third week of May, but because of the virus, coronavirus, we postponed the induction to the end of August this year, and hopefully things will be settled down a little bit and everyone could travel and uh, they come to Bright Dawn Center here in Corsco, Central California for their induction weekend. Uh, she lives in, she's a native Californian, and um, let us hear from Elena-san. Good morning, friends. These are difficult times in so many ways on multiple fronts. Personal health, public health, financial security, social outlet, spiritual connection. We are living day to day with so many questions unable to be addressed to our satisfaction. For some of us, this results in compulsively checking news sites or social media. For others, it might be in checking out via TV shows or yoga classes or substances, yet others might be falling into familiar realms of anxiety, depression, insomnia. This is a trap for many who have done diligent work in changing their narrative and habits. This strange new terrain of living through a pandemic, of physical isolation, of intense fear around going about your work if you are lucky enough 
to have been deemed essential, how do we maintain a balanced perspective, retain the presence of mind to use the tools we have cultivated to sidestep habitual pitfalls, manage the homeschooling and housekeeping and regulating our own well-being at the same time? How can we hold this grief, this fear, this panic, this dismay, these questions? In times such as these, when I feel in a state of free fall, I'm reminded of a quote from Chogyam Trungpa, a venerable teacher of Tibetan Buddhism. The bad news is you're falling through the air, nothing to hang on to, no parachute. The good news is there's no ground. There is no ground, people. What are we fearing? The lack of control while we fall? Or the reality that at some point there is a solid ground for us to smack into? Take away that final collision point, and perhaps the free fall is not as fearsome as we thought. Not having control in the world flying past us, not being able to grab onto a rope, knowing that there's no circle of firefighters holding a trampoline to soften our landing, is definitely a scary thought. But if there exists no ground upon which to shatter, might we learn to relax into the very uncertainty in which we find ourselves? What a liberating thought. However, we can recognize that it is a struggle to find ease while we fall through space, out of control, subjected to fate and circumstance. Truly, there is much to fear and worry about in these times, but I am reminded by this practice of Buddhism that the reality of being alive has always included death as two sides of one coin. In the book Bright Dawn, Reverend Kubose poses the question, how can one live in the midst of such existential anxiety yet stand above it? Part of his answer is to look up at the sky, take a wide view, and I think this can be both horizontally and vertically, especially when it feels like the bottom has fallen out, when your stomach sinks with some new dread-inducing news report, that spaciousness can really help shift the visceral response. In the same chapter, he writes in a letter to his son, and I'm paraphrasing, look up and let that bigness, that vastness, widen your mind and heart. Beyond the duality of empty and full, the vast emptiness of the sky mirrors the absolute emptiness that goes beyond all conceptual dichotomies, such as life, death, or good, bad. When the truths of impermanence and interdependency are realized, a life of acceptance and appreciation opens up. Wow. I wish my own dad had access to those words for me, in an inspired moment of poetic teaching. Nevertheless, I can appreciate my father's kindness and compassion as I am sheltering in place with him to help shield him in his vulnerable, elderly state from the outside world. It would be easy to fall into patterns of resentment and irritation since we haven't spent time with anyone else except my teenage son, now for over a month, but we have all, to the best of our abilities, cultivated the fine art of giving each other space, even within a confined area. We recognize our interdependency, now more than ever, 
And with the current state of mortal fear, the impermanence of this moment, as well as our lives, has allowed us to accept and appreciate each other. I'm sure that is something that you're all working on with those with whom you're sheltered. Zooming out and gaining that wider perspective have been key to remembering to be kind to each other. That in itself is a type of poetry, skillfully acting to consciously hold space for each other to be human together. That same skill of widening your perspective is key right now, not just in the interpersonal relationships which feel inescapable these days, but in how we relate to the information and media we consume and how we experience our emotions in our bodies as they arise. When your stomach drops or tightens and that sense of uncontrolled free-falling arises, let's remember there is no ground. We can skillfully look to the sky, take a walk, shift our focal point. One tool often used for anxiety is when that feeling creeps up and your breathing starts to shallow, to consciously feel the contact with your body with something real, your feet on the floor, your hands on your cup, your back against the chair. Touch in to what is tangibly present, ground into physical experience. When I ask myself what is real that I can touch, what is available to me that is as solid as stone, I'm reminded of the Dharma rock at bright dawn, this huge boulder with the plaque on it inscribed with the Dharma is my rock poem. A line from that says, stone therapy helps me see the suchness of all things. Truly, the Dharma can be that real thing we can root into, our grounding rod, you might call it. Those teachings that have been preserved and passed down for generations to instruct us in how to experience suffering in the most useful way, no matter your religious orientation, are about the experience of being human and in this moment providing a skillful way to respond with discernment to inevitable challenges. In terms of navigating these challenges, the Noble Eightfold Path and its prescription of skillful or right view, intention, action, livelihood, etc., provides a very good tool to help us navigate these waters. I like to envision it as the steering wheel on our ship. If we adhere to the principles, we will chart a course through the most treacherous waters with our morality intact and our highest values affirmed. Many people have commented recently that we should not go back to business as usual when you see how the earth is healing from less industrial activity. This is a reckoning. What stands up and affirms our collective values? What deserves to fall away with the pandemic? It is interesting to see how religious communities are affected by these changes. I think Bright Dawn has been a trailblazer in this regard. So many churches are finding that people can find beloved community through Facebook Live services and Zoom coffee hours. There is much room for transformation into more sustainable ways of worship and togetherness. As I have been participating in the LM program for almost two years, I was already accustomed to connecting spiritually via phone calls and online. 
In terms of spirituality, this hasn't hampered my growth. If anything, so many more opportunities have opened up as congregations are no longer limited by localities of space and time. What a concept. Let us be guided by our highest principles, specifically right livelihood and right effort in healing from this pandemic in all ways, in creating a stronger and more equitable society. And when we feel that sense of personal and collective free fall of uncertainty, let us remember that there is no ground. When death draws close in whatever way, can we remember the vast skies, full emptiness, recalling that it is just the other side of life, not greeting it with fear, but with acceptance or even curiosity? When anxiety and panic threaten to flood our nervous systems, let's recall that the Dharma is there as a rock to root into, a touchstone to connect us back into a state of flow and equanimity. Even if we cannot attend services in a shared building, we can still tap into that beloved community from wherever we are. These are the very real gifts that the Dharma and this Sangha in particular have given us. Let's unwrap them and allow them to see us through this free-falling time. Thank you for listening. Gasho. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like that. The phrase, the title of a Dharma glimpse, free fall of uncertainty, <laughs> you know, and the concept of ground or no ground uh, is intriguing, isn't it? How to be grounded in groundlessness, <laughs> you know, of course, uh, play on words, very common in Buddhism, particularly in Zen Buddhism, of how to uh, challenge us to go beyond paradoxes. Okay, and it's interesting how the word paradox is, is not synonymous with contradiction. You know, when two things are you know contradictory, okay, uh, they're saying opposite things. So how can you know how can they be together? Whereas a paradox is, uh, uh, well, more of a puzzle, more of a, uh, I don't know, but I find that the subtle nuances, be, the, the difference between the word paradox and, and contradiction can be uh, educational. Anyway, uh, when I think about Uncertainty uh, usually we humans want certainty, you know uh, predictability okay? uh, even though some, we would like control, but even if we don't have complete control, we would like to uh, know what's going on okay? uh, I was struck by. Oh, a Dharma friend, Reverend Ron Nakasone, uh, he lives in uh, the San Jose area, about an hour, three hours north of us. And uh, I've known him for a number of years now and a uh, uh, man of many talents, one of which is calligraphy. And uh, uh, in fact, 
often, whenever we can, we invite a guest to come to Brighton Center here and on induction, lay minister, LM, induction ceremony every spring and have a guest. Um, and uh, the most recent guest, he was here and he, and he gave a demonstration of calligraphy and the the uh, lay ministers that were there for their induction uh, got to experiment with uh, uh, Sumia ink, you know, black ink, and then and with uh, Sumia uh, calligraphy brushes. They learn how to write their names in kanji, Japanese uh, written calligraphy of Chinese characters, okay, of what their name might mean. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, one time I was talking to Reverend Nakasone, and he he said, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start working on a, on a, on a book that I have in mind, and it's about the vir- Buddhist virtues of ambiguity and uncertainty. And then you know we talked about other things, but I remember him mentioning this. Isn't that intriguing? The Buddhist virtues, <laughs> okay, not the the negative aspect, okay. Oh, how to overcome ambiguity, uncertainty, and oh, those are bad, okay. But he calls it the Buddhist virtues of ambiguity, uncertainty. And when we think about it, and when we read about the Dharma teachings, that is a key assumption underlying, you know, our ground, <laughs> so to speak, is. One of uncertainty and ambiguity. We're, we're challenged how to embrace those things, how to approach those things, how not to see them as enemies, but as sources, as resources, as, you know, that's something to really think about. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day.